Hello everybody, we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower found in Matthew 13. We're not going to get through the whole chapter today, um, but we're going to get through for sure 1 through 23. So of course we're going to wait for people to hop on here. Hello everybody, little Annika. It's good to see you guys. Marlene E, Marlene Aid. How is everybody doing today? <clears throat> hello, hello. We're telling your followers that you've started a live video. Praise the Lord. What's up, Blake? It's good to see you, man. You said name right. Awesome. Perfect. Money. Hello. Good. I'm glad. The nectar of the gods. Amen. Blake, I'm impressed with how often you're on these things. You're on them every time. It's very encouraging. And I love that. Love to see that. What would you think if we FaceTime sometime, Blake? Jenny, same to you. I am doing so well. I am doing well. I'm actually, yeah, I'm doing really well. I, well, you know what? I ran out some of the stuff that I normally put on my coffee, so I had to change it up. So my coffee is a little bit less tasty than normal, but that's okay. How are you, Jenny? My day was good, Melanie. Thank you. It means a lot. It, it's, been, it's been good. I actually slept in a little bit. Don't tell anybody, but I did. I slept in a little bit, and I got some work done. Read my Bible. We're gonna wait a couple more minutes here and then we're gonna get started. It's good to see you guys. Inferno. You know, when these things always, um, whenever these things start, it's always interesting to see how, uh, if I can pronounce all your guys' names. God gives rest to those he loves. Amen. I received that, Blake. Thank you. FK. Good to see you. Okay, I'm at work, so I can't be that great. You're at work and you're trying to hop on. That's incredible. Don't discredit yourself. You seem like you're in a super chill mood. Amen. Contrary to popular belief, so I was talking with Taylor and Josh, Taylor and Josh last night, and they were like, okay, do you know you have like a, you have a preacher voice, right? I was like, what are you talking about? Preacher voice. And they're like, yeah. I was like, what does that even mean? They're like, well, it's just when you, when you speak with authority, when you're speaking to a group of people or on live streams or even TikTok, it's like a, it's, it's like an authoritative, different type of voice. Not saying that I'm like different. But it's just like a different voice. So maybe that's what you're um, talking about. When is it going to start? We're starting here in one minute. We're just waiting for people to go jump on. Zach, good to see you, man. Thanks. We really appreciate that. We love all you guys. <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. You actually do. How did I not notice that? Well, same. 21 years I didn't notice that. Okay, one more minute and then we're gonna get going. 
like I said, I'll put this in the thing. Um, Matthew 13, we're going through the first part of that today. Matthew 13, verse 1 through 23. Matthew 13, verse 1 through 23. Melanie, how come when I pray it doesn't feel like he's listening? Well, what's the easiest area for the enemy to attack us? In our temptations, different things like that, right? Our feelings, our emotions. <clears throat> Taylor told me something once that was really helpful. He goes... He goes, if you're being tempted by something, let's say somebody just bashed you and persecuted you, or there's a thought that is coming over you, if you dwell on it for longer than five seconds, this is actually psychological as well. If you don't dwell on it for longer than five seconds, it becomes a reality. So for example, with lust and temptation, if I were to think, have lustful thoughts and dwell on it for longer than five seconds, the chance of me stumbling then increased by 90%. That's the same with nearly anything. <clears throat> so how come when I pray, it doesn't feel like he's listening? Well, first of all, you're giving the enemy more credit than he deserves. Because why? You're giving the credit of him saying, oh, he's not listening because that's what you think. That's what you feel. Well, what does scripture? Scripture says that he is. He is faithful. He does listen. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. So know the promises and declare them. Wait, I thought you and Taylor were the same age. No. We are not. <clears throat> we are going to be talking about the parable of the sower. What's up, David? All right, let's get going. So let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for who you are. We thank you that we can be here together, God, and just dwell on your word. Um, thank you that we could have just a little bit of conversation before getting going on this topic. Um, God, you are good, and we're thankful that we we can have this opportunity to read your word. Jesus, I pray that we can have eyes to see the message you're trying to get across, ears to receive the ways in which you speak to us and a heart receptive to your heart for us, God. We thank you, God, in your name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, since we were talking about this before I get going, Jenny, how do I not dwell on thoughts? If I get bad thoughts, e.g. about my appearance or self-worth, I tend to dwell on it for ages before I can get it out. Um, initially, when I first heard that at the same time, I, was, I thought the same thing. Um, but the reality is if you get a thought, oh, I'm good, immediately force yourself to start thinking about something different. Better than that even is to say, um, oh, you know, I'm not good. No, I'm made in the image of God moving forward. Change, change the direction of your mind. Force something else into it. I even like physically have to shake my head sometimes. Um, so be encouraged with that. But let's get going here. So the parable of the sower, Josh, brought you through Matthew 12 this morning. Um, but let's get, let's get on to this. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him. So they got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Now, here's something really interesting. So sat beside the sea, the Sea of Galilee, sitting was the typical posture for teachers. According to tradition, this teaching took place at the cove of the parables. You wonder why it's called the cove of the parables. This is an actual place, right? A natural horseshoe shaped amphitheater, amphitheater, the sound of Jesus's voice would have carried over 300 feet or 90 meters from the boat to a crowd of hundreds on the shore. 
So let's, let's dive in a little deeper. The place where Jesus sat beside the sea is traditionally called the Cove of the Parables. It was a horseshoe-shaped cove and had remarkable acoustics. Anywhere from 5,000 to 7,000 people could fit just along the beach, while twice as many that could easily fill the entire hillside. A person sitting at the very top of the hill could hear a speaker standing on the beach, even though they could hardly see him. That's amazing. So back in the day before they had sound systems, they would make these things called amphitheaters where the sound acoustics would carry the voice all the way up into the, the crowd or beyond into the hillside. That's why they could do big plays. Or if you think about Colosseum, right? The Colosseum where they would have the games in the middle of the Colosseum, the emperor or whatever would be at a position where he could speak and the entire nation could hear him. Acoustics. Now that's a fun fact. <laughs> Same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered around him so that he could, so he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. How that's, that's really cool, right? And so before I break that down, we got to finish this passage because scripture goes on and it goes, the parable of the sower explained. And so Jesus himself explains what he just said. But the disciples first come up to Jesus and they're like, what is the, par why are you speaking the parables? Remember parables are Jesus's means of communicating through a story in order to teach a moral a morality, right? Moral or a spiritual lesson. So then the disciples came to his, him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why don't you just straight up teach? And he answered them. Jesus said to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. You know, what, what is, what is Jesus talking about that there? talking about there for to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away so let's break that down to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven what does that mean when we have christ it i think it talks about this in first or second corinthians who is man what is man to know the thoughts of another man except for that man so who would I say to know that I know exactly what Blake, who's on the live right now, is thinking? I, I wouldn't. That's, that's impossible. I cannot understand or know exactly the thoughts of Blake. In the same way, who is man to think they know the thoughts of God without the Holy Spirit in them? And so what God is saying in that passage is when you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to the reasoning, the understanding, the wisdom behind what God 
has for you, his heart. So Jesus, to these people, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven because you have eyes to see. Your hearts have been opened to my teaching. They have claimed that Jesus is the Messiah, right? So their hearts have been opened, their eyes are seen, their ears are willing, their heart is receptive to what Jesus is teaching. Whereas a lot of the people that Jesus was teaching now, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus's parables hide the truth from the crowd who remained uncommitted to him while they communicated truth to the disciples who recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. So what does this mean? To those who were closed off to Jesus being the Messiah, it was merely a moral lesson. It was, if not even more so, uh, you couldn't understand. But the, those who were receptive to Jesus being Messiah, it was wisdom, it was fruit, it was truth. In the same way for us, because we have the Holy Spirit now, right? Holy Spirit in us, we know what God has done. We know what Jesus has done for us. We can read this and it can have an, a limitless application to our life. So let's keep going. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. What does that mean? To the one who has, to you and I, now let's apply this to us today. To you and I, we have the Holy Spirit. To the one who has, more will be given. We now have revelation and the Holy Spirit working through power and authority in us to continually read the word of God and have new things revealed to us, both about ourselves and others. God's heart and his heart for us. <clears throat> for to one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, those who are not receptive to the word, those who are not receptive to the Holy Spirit working in and through them, those who are not receptive to God being your savior, from, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So even the understanding they thought they had, even the understanding of scripture that they thought they had, it will be taken away. In what way? It won't bring any fruit. There won't be any resonance. There won't be any stability in the lesson. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, so even though they physically have eyes to see, spiritually they are blind. Seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. Physically they can hear, but they do not spiritually hear. Nor do they understand. Why? Because their eyes, spiritual eyes, and their spiritual ears are not, they, they, don't, they don't understand. And so that leads to more misunderstanding. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, and before we get to that, I want to ask you today, say in the comments, I have eyes to see and ears to hear. Jenny, have a great day. Thanks for joining while you could. I have eyes to see and ears to hear. Eyes, I have eyes to see and ears to hear. What does that mean? As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us that helps us understand God's heart and his heart for us. That we can continually get revelation from the Lord. So he goes on to say the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the, this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear. And their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their eyes and understand with their eyes and turn and I would heal them. So what is Isaiah talking about here? He's referencing once again, it was prophetic. Jesus was saying here, it was prophetic 
that these people would have physical eyes to see, but not spiritual eyes to see, to understand. They would have physical ears to hear of the lessons, just like we have today. We can go up to somebody and tell them, Jesus is your Savior, repent, look, at, look and see what all he has done for you. Yet their hearts are hardened and they're not receptive to the reality, the truth of the gospel. So, let's keep going. 16, but blessed are your ears, for they see in your eyes, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see and to hear what you hear and did not hear. That's beautiful because like all of scripture, it's both applicable for today and back then. And when we read it, we need to understand the context. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and he's saying, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see and to hear what you hear and did not hear. What is it saying? In the same way today, there are many, many people in powerful positions, right? Let's just, let's just relate that to prophets. There are many people who are righteous people who are living good lives that long to understand the joy that you have but are unreceptive to receive the gift that we've been given. And Jesus is making that very clear here to his disciples. He's making it clear here to us. So now he goes on, the parable of the sower explained. He goes on to expound, expound on it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. So what does that mean? When we, when we read, when we read scripture, when we hear someone preach, yet we don't allow it to fully sink in, we're not receptive to understanding it. The enemy comes in, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart because it's, been, it's not been received. As for the one that was sown on rocky ground, this is for the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy which isn't bad, right? And immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. What is our responsibility as Christians? Well, it's to live in relationship. What does that look like? Well, it's not just a one-way relationship where God gifts us, blesses us, teaches us. It's us also diving into what he's revealed to us and letting it take root in who we are. If I say to you today, your identity is found in scripture, what does scripture say? You are a child of God. You are not bound by the law. You are not bound by sin, yet you're a slave to righteousness. What does that mean? That Jesus died for you. That's your identity. So your self-hatred, your depression, your anxiety, all that, that's not who you are. That's what the enemy wants. That's not who you are. Who you are is a child of God. Oh, amazing. You might receive that. But if you don't dig into the word yourself and seize the promise yourself, it's, it's wisdom landing on rocky ground. So as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You might be encouraged in the moment, yet he has no root in himself. What does that mean? You didn't take that promise, your identity, and seize it for yourself. You just took it from someone else. But endures for a while. So you, you stand strong for a while in, in the identity someone else told you, right? You stand strong for a while in that. But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the world, 
of the word, immediately he falls away. So what does that mean? In the same way, if you just rely on what other people say about you and the identity other people say, this is why it's so important to have a relationship in both prayer and in scripture. A relationship. And I don't mean that a personal relationship, but at the same time, (laughs) this is confusing. I don't mean it as in like your relationship with Christ, but to know God's heart, you need to read scripture. And it's not only God's heart, but it's his heart for you. If you don't seize the promises and you only rely on other people and what they say about you, it lands on rocky ground. The promises will never become yours because you don't spend time cultivating it into your identity. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. What does that mean? That's targeting experience trumping the word of God in so many different ways. That means you've received the word. You understand. It's like today I'm telling you, you want to stop struggling with your identity? Well, place it in the word. Not just because someone tells you to, but because you have found your identity and who you are in Christ. That's like you understanding that and that's your call. But you know what? I like And then you saying, I like receiving my identity from other people or getting attention from boys or girls, getting attention from girls or guys. That's realizing the truth and receiving the truth, knowing what you're called to do, yet wanting the world more than that. That's like the fruit, God's fruit in you being planted among thorns, never being able to carry on to fruition. 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. What does that mean? Good soil. Here's the word. You've received a teaching. You've received a revelation from the Lord. The Holy Spirit is speaking in you and through you. You've received it and you understand it. You've planted it into who you are. You've made it a part of your identity. You've made it a part of what God has revealed to you. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed, the one who hears the word and understands it, the one who hears, receives it and plants it in good soil, indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and in another 30. What does that mean? God's promise to you today is hear my word, receive my word. You hear my word, you receive my word, you walk in my word, and guess what? I will bless you. You will bear fruit, and you will yield, in some cases, 100-fold of what you've done. 60-fold, 30-fold. He's saying he will compound bless you. (laughs) That's incredible. I want you to type in the comments, I will bear fruit. I will bear fruit. B-E-A-R. I will bear fruit. For those of you who don't know how to spell bear. I will bear fruit. I will bear fruit. Thanks, Zach.
The reality is, guys, is that God, there's so many things in Scripture, and we talk about this every single time. We talk about this every time we read Scripture, every time we open the Word together, every time we look at what God is saying. He goes, if you do this, whenever you see an if in Scripture, it's a choice. If you do this, and it's followed up by a then, then is a promise. If you do this, if you receive my word, when I give it to you, if you receive it and you walk in it, then God will do this. That's a promise. And he is faithful to hold true to them. So I, I challenge you every time you're reading scripture and you see that type of choice, you see that type of if then statement to highlight it and to write it down as a promise. Oh, so what you're saying is if I walk in obedience with what God calls me to, he's going to bless me in a thousand different ways. Well, we shouldn't be in a relationship with Christ to be blessed. Who says that? God talks about the intention of your heart. If you're in it solely for what you're going to receive, well, I question you to judge your character, your own character. But if you're in it to give God the glory... And knowing that because you're in it to give God the glory, you're going to be blessed. Well, hallelujah, we're called to bless other people. So no, it's not a bad thing to hold God up to his word. It's holding him true to his integrity. He'd do the same to you when he calls you. He holds you up to your obedience. He says, if you're obedient, okay, you're obedient? Okay, here's, here, here's how I'm gonna bless you. You're not obedient? Well, I can't bless you in that way anymore because you're not following what I've called you to do. So, <clears throat> that's what we're gonna get through today. Um, tomorrow morning, uh, we're gonna get through 24 all the way to 14. But I didn't wanna do the whole thing today because there's multiple different stories. I really wanted to press in on the sower thing. Um, so if you guys have any questions or comments real quick. get those real quick time goes so fast in these things it's already been almost a half hour martinez can you pray for my body to get strong can you pray for my stomach to stop the pain all the time hey brother hit us up in the um hit us up in the dms we'll try to get back to you we can pray for you personally okay how do you keep walking in obedience when the enemy keeps getting you away from your purpose I think that's really good. Um, you know, that's why it's our, our call and expectation of ourselves to walk in relationship and to walk in pursuit of righteousness. We can have the standard of perfection on ourselves, knowing that's what God calls us to, yet knowing that we will sin sometime in our life. Yet that's not an excuse to walk in it. So how do you keep walking in obedience when the enemy keeps getting you away from your purpose? Well, first of all, scripture, Jesus promises that's what's going to happen. He doesn't, the enemy doesn't have to fight for those he has. <clears throat> Sorry, there's comments here. How do you keep walking in obedience when the enemy keeps getting you away from your purpose? The enemy is always going to throw a hurdle at you. The enemy is always going to try to stumble you. The enemy is always going to try and make what God meant for good and turn it into evil. But when we have that mindset, when we understand that's how the enemy is going to attack, we can be prepared to defend against an attack. So don't let him get to a point where you can say, he keeps getting you away from your purpose because you're the one 
more than likely giving him the power to be able to do so. Because what Christ said is that the Holy Spirit will come with authority and with power. And when you call upon him, the devil must flee. Resist him, he must flee. No temptation, no stumble, no hurdle has overcome you in the name of Jesus. So that's my encouragement to you. And anybody else <clears throat> struggling with that? So I'll just wait a second here um, for any response to that or further dialogue, and then we'll wrap it up. Can you follow your purpose for life in the wrong way? Jesus says in scripture that he who he started a good work in, he will carry it on to fruition until the day of Jesus Christ. Can you follow your purpose for life in the wrong way? Your purpose for life, what is it? I think that's the Heidelberg Catechism. That's so doctrinal. But um, man's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I'm going to talk about if you follow your one of your passions and desires in life. If God gave you the desire in your heart and he promises to fulfill it, then if you pursue him, he will help you pursue a passion that you pursue on this earth for his glory. We had somebody ask us the same question last night. Um, they were like, can I make, can I make toys? I, I feel like making toys for children, but I don't want to be just bringing joy to the world when I know it's temporary and God's the one I should be bringing joy. And I was like, in, in the fact that you're making joy for the world, so this person wanted to make toys for little kids, the fact that you're doing that opens a door for you to bring them to an eternal joy. Because a parent's gonna be like, your toy, your toy brought my kids so much joy, that's awesome. Can you tell me, how did you come about doing this? And then you talk about Jesus. Well, I found eternal joy. And I thought if I could just bring someone a little bit of joy, that maybe I could bring them into eternal joy just like God did to me. So encouraged by that. Is the parable of the sower about salvation? <clears throat> Is the parable of the sower about salvation? Well, I think in scripture, you can take a lot of the parables, if not all of them, and relate them to a salvation message. So yes or no? That's how I'll answer that. Thank you so much, Kate. I really needed that. Thanks, FK. Hey, quick question. When are Taylor's lives on TikTok? What time? 8 a.m., 12 p.m., 8 p.m. Central. But, all right, I'm going to close this out in prayer, and then we'll see you in the morning. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, God, and I thank you for this time. I thank you that we could be here and reflecting on who you are and what you've done. God, you are so good. And Jesus, I pray that we can have eyes to see your promises and ears to understand what they mean. God, I, I pray that we stop giving the devil so much credit and we give you the credit that you deserve, which is equipping us through the authority and power of the Holy Spirit to choose you, to pursue you, the devil can't do anything about that. We thank you for that, Jesus. Pray for all these people, either here right now or that will watch this video later. I pray a blessing of joy and peace on their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I love you guys. We'll see you in the morning.